0: Welcome to another episode of Dan's Den Podcast. My name is Dan Belanger, and I'm very excited to share this episode with you today. My guest is my brother, Eric, who has his undergraduate degree in finance and currently works as a wealth management client associate with the DeMarco McCarthy Group at Merrill Lynch. I want to emphasize that this discussion is not intended as financial advice and does not represent the views of DeMarco McCarthy Group nor Merrill Lynch. I ask Eric hypothetical questions based on my own experiences because I want to learn more about finance in general and maybe some of you will find this helpful. I hope you enjoy our discussion and thank you again for listening. Been looking forward to this one for a long time, man. I'm going to do a quick little intro here. Guy Eric Glowacki in the house. So Eric's a wealth management client associate working for Merrill Lynch. I know he's been there for a few years. Eric graduated from... Rhode Island College in 2020 with a bachelor's degree in finance. He's got uh, certifications in Series 7 and Series 66, F-I-N-R-A, and we'll go over what that means. Eric spent two years with Citizens Bank after graduating before moving to Merrill Lynch. Eric spent two years in a Merrill call center, currently client associate role with the DeMarco McCarthy Group at Merrill, 2021 until present. Got a few things going on. Currently studying for the CIMA certification. That's Certified Investment Management Analyst.
1: Sounds good. That's that's me. Um, yeah,
0: and I forgot to mention too, Eric's my brother.
1: Yes, yes. Happy to be here.
0: This has been something we're looking forward to for a while, man. Awesome. Yeah. So we covered a little intro on there. Any anything else we should touch on?
1: No, I, I think you did well. That's that's definitely me. And you know, working in the finance field is certainly uh, rewarding. It's also very high, high stress, you know, dealing with doing wealth planning, you know, you're dealing with other people's money. So, you know, it's a sensitive topic. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of different factors, a lot of things too. So I know you, you hopped
0: into Rhode Island College and like pretty much from the beginning knew that like finance was where you were going to go, right?
1: Yeah, it was, it was, you know, reflecting back on it. it you know, I always had a, a draw towards money, which I assume, you know, most of us do, but I figured, you know, which obviously, you know, I had plenty of other interests, but in terms of what I could do for a profession that would ultimately, you know, earn me a decent salary and, you know, be beneficial, you know, yeah, I gravitated towards finance and then um, kind of as you went over, I started working for Citizens Bank while still in college. So I was going to school full-time, working full-time as well. The I guess the paths were crossing to what I was learning in school was also feeding into what I was doing at work. So that right. kind of you know, that, that makes it, that makes it better. Um, I would say, as opposed to working in the bank and and going to school for biology, it's like, you know, those don't cross at all. So it made almost my time at work more enjoyable as well. Cause it was I'm like, all right, like what I'm learning in school, this is, you know, it's actually going to be used in the future.
0: Yeah. And as we go along too, we know that overall like work experience is probably more important than anything else as far as, you know, getting down to the place that we want to be. So it's,
1: it certainly gave me a leg up, I would say, in getting to where I'm at right now. Rhode Island College is a great, great school, you know, for the for the cost. For you know, those that aren't familiar, I, you know, we're in we're in Rhode Island here, so going to Rhode Island College, it's an in-state school. I commuted, so you know, I didn't play, I did pay, you know, on on campus, yeah, um, you know no, yeah, no no room and board. So yeah, very um, affordable, and you know, got a good education there. But being able to supplement that with the work experience just gives you the leg up and you know i've noticed now you know people can make it decently far just off of work experience alone so and sometimes you know you end up getting a master's degree but you have no work experience and it 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 almost hurts you and in in some cases depending on where you apply for jobs so it's it's a funny dynamic that you know you're you're fed to get into school right after college and you know power through four six years and then get out and then you're almost you know you're almost behind in a sense it's it's funny it's no joke the huge operations you know just well it touches on a interesting point which maybe we can touch on later but you know like the work-life balance because even even in my current position it's still i still do it's a it it's high stress um at times so just being able to kind of leave it at the door um you know every day it's it's that's key. Because yeah, that's it, what everybody it, wants to do, it, right? feeds, Yeah, and it's easier said than done, but, you know, it feeds into other relationships you might have, and it's tough, and it can negatively affect some things if you don't, you know, shut it down.
0: I definitely, yeah, we'll circle back around to some of that um, work-life balance, um, but I want to start off with just even maybe some more professional stuff now, so someone like me is definitely uneducated in just finance and economics at large, so it's difficult to even figure out where to start with some of this stuff sometimes. So maybe you could take a few minutes, uh, we'll unpack what, what is even the term financial planning mean? Like a lot of us hear that we kind of have a general idea. Um, is that just only budgeting? Is that kind of essentially like, why is that important for your average person? Mm. Because I think a lot of times with like, Oh my, if I'm not a business owner mm. or in these sense, like that, does that really apply to me? Yeah. So, so we'll it, starts there.
1: Right, and yeah, to to your point, a lot of people think, well, you know, I don't, I don't have a million bucks, so, you know, high high level um, financial planning is, you know, the a, a, a comprehensive evaluation of, you know, your current pay, and you look at other other variables and, you know, particularly future your future financial state. So what I mean, so p- more particularly, what we do, we look at. All, all factors concerning your lifestyle as well as your current salary we'll look at your spending habits liabilities so thing you know if you have a mortgage car payment credit card bill monthly we look at all of that and ultimately look down the road towards retirement because that's kind of what the whole game is is, is you want to set yourself up for retirement and kind of work backwards from there in a sense exactly and you want to be able to see okay you know if you keep the lifestyle you got now keep a salary you know you, you get paid six percent more every year you have a you know yearly bonus what would your retirement lifestyle look like And we can give you a dollar amount like this is what you could afford you know you look at things maybe if you have a pension or you look at things so you factor in social security income um, assuming that's around by the time we uh yeah, man, that's another topic I
0: definitely want to touch on that because that's something that. A lot of times I'm, I'm looking at some of uh, these forecasts from, you know, maybe my 401k or my savings. And then they, they factor in like estimated social security contribution and like, sure. But what about 30, 40 years from now?
1: So yeah, we definitely can circle back to that. So we look at those factors and yeah, it can give you, Hey, you know, we can give you a 90% confidence that you will be able to maintain a lifestyle in in retirement and there's other factors so if you retire and that's maybe assuming you retire at 65 now we'll project out if you retire two years later at 67 and you see that go up so there's different many different factors to look at running that financial plan now obviously it's it helps to have the funds set up ideally you know you you probably want to be in your mid-30s or so, maybe a little more established, you have kind of a, a, an idea of where things might be going, and that's where you'd probably want to start looking at a plan, kind of the years before that. Now, again, there are different things where, you know, somebody might get, come right out of, you know, college and land their dream job and know, hey, I'm gonna be staying with this company or in this exact field and only be increasing my salary over time, and that's great, so you can look to, you know, kind of plan from there but those otherwise are kind of
0: the, those are the rare individuals
1: all right that yeah and they also you know probably have like a trust fund or something so they already have like 500k in the bank you know there's just there, there's different circumstances um and I, I've, I've i've seen them all um through my time at citizens and now here i've seen people with no money and i've seen people with a lot of money yeah. so but it's just you know in the younger years you're you're probably even starting as young as mid mid-20s it's just it's just saving money um because, you know, they, they don't teach financial literacy in schools. And oh, man, we got to play catch up. A lot of us are already in debt, and I'm like, right. wait a minute. From school. So, yeah, it it's just saving up cash is, is really kind of the name of the game. And that's kind of the first thing I always tell people, you know, around my age. You know, I'm 25. So it's it's just saving up, saving up money. And obviously, you know, when you're in your mid-20s, well, you're like, hey, I want to have a good time. So it, it's tough because it's tough to find that, hey, like, I need to stay in this Saturday night. It's like, can I sacrifice that? And yeah,
0: especially on a super tight budget, right? Like yeah. mid-20s, a lot of us, if, if we are already in a professional setting, like you said, we're, we're working on college loans. We mm-hmm. have, it's, it's hard to find that balance of, hey, I got to be saving, but like, I don't want to not go out with friends and stuff. That's an important lifestyle factor. And like,
1: budgeting is key, and that's what it is, is you, is you need to sit down and you need to write. You know, It's easiest to just write it out so you can just see it plain and simple. This is what I make per month. These are the bills I have to pay, and this is what I have left over. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, I want to save this amount, so this is what I can spend. Once you go over that, now it's, you know, you're just incurring debt, and it's a fine line, you know, before you start getting into trouble, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to, uh, it's hard to come out.
0: As individuals, we're not going to get bailed out by, uh, by the bank, son.
1: No, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can go the bankruptcy route, but I mean, you know, that's, that's, you're essentially starting from zero from there.
0: So then, obviously, like, so that's some of the reasons why it's important. Like, do you deal with individuals like that? Like, you'll, you'll get individual clients rather than larger, almost, like, businesses?
1: Definitely, yeah. Um, what we do particularly is if we have a... Yeah, I mean, we have some companies and some 401ks for companies that we we manage. But, yeah, we probably have over around 350 to 400 households nice. with our group. Yeah, we... we have a very large book of business.
0: How do you guys like? So do you, do people seek you out, or do you get referrals? At this
1: point, yeah, um, both. But at this point, we have a lot of um, website in, um, inquiries. You know, I drop a link to the to the website. Yeah, so we get website inquiries. We get calls in, and at this point, we're just very established. The founding member or financial advisor in our group, she's been in the business since the you know mid mid eighties. So she's very, very established um, and well known. Yeah, she's well known, very, very successful. So the the name almost now draws in a lot of a lot of clients, and and from there, you know, we offer um, white glove service. So it, it's it's you know, we're we're always there for you know. You're not calling in and talking to a robot. You're talking to a human who's going to fix your problem.
0: Yeah, working with you individually. So somebody fills out a form or something online, and then like, does that. Depending on how they fill they fill that out, does that determine where they go, or like is?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, uh, primarily now at this point, so Merrill Lynch in general, to, to be a client of Merrill Lynch, so there are there are the online, so, you know, you can do like Robinhood and in in those things for like opening up your brokerage accounts. Merrill has what's called Merrill Edge, which is an online brokerage platform so you can open an account there it's all self-directed meaning you would go on your computer um, or the app and you'd place your own trades for stocks and whatnot and you would handle the portfolio yourself there are some more kind of um, robot if you will managed solutions that you can do through that but to be a client at merrill lynch they look for assets of 250 and above that's the minimum required 250 dollars. Two hundred and fifty thousand to be a client at merrill lynch Anything below that, you'll probably get referred to Merrill Edge. Um, sometimes people, now there are different circumstances if you're a, a, you know, a family member of a client or something like that, you know, sure, we may take on the relationship. Our group in particular, we probably look more for 500000 and above. So that's, you know, assets maybe, so not necessarily that you are going to bring in, but, you know, held that other banks and, you know, your 401ks, your... IRAs, um, you know, just regular brokerage investing accounts, um, things like that. So that's kind of the the thresholds that we look for. So that that kind of gets vetted beforehand. That that'll be done on that initial inquiry. So if it's a call in, you know, we it's sometimes an awkward question to ask, but you gotta we have to ask it because yeah. we need to know.
0: You have to establish where they're at. So then, so somebody that has less than say two fifty, does is there certain uh, colleagues or some of your, you know, coworkers that specialize in maybe like an average individual or household income rather than, you know, your half a million, two millions, where I'd imagine that there's certain people that might be more versed in dealing with that stuff rather than, you know, your millions and millions of dollars.
1: Yeah. So definitely we have some partners that we work with that would be willing to take on those relationships. And sometimes what we do is just a complimentary, you know, um, financial plan. So we'll run kind of, how I talked about earlier that whole plan and, and forecasts and projections. We'll, we'll run that as a favor to the client and we're not necessarily going to take them on, but we can give you an idea of what things are looking at. If you you know stay the course and maybe we'll give you a couple of factors that you could change in order to, you know, enhance or maximize potential future wealth. Yeah.
0: And, that's sweet, man. So you're not getting like turned away. Like, Oh, you guys don't have a certain amount of money, like go somewhere else. But Hey, here's, here's a place to start.
1: Yeah definitely
0: clears that up that's definitely helpful for for myself definitely for hopefully some of our listeners too so uh, sometimes i I wonder like there has to be a more active process of some of this saving than what i'm doing so you know i I understand interest rates might be coming back up and i definitely want to talk about the current state of things say just like a amount of like 10 grand some somebody kind of calls you and then hey i gotta figure out how to diversify this or maybe look at more long-term investing so like where where would someone like me start
1: yeah so there's different different factors now if you foresee yourself needing that 10 grand I guess that would be my first question to you do you do you see yourself needing that in within a year within five years you know or is this truly money that you've maybe you, you sat down and you did a small budget yourself and you're like I, I have some other savings, let alone, you know, aside from this 10 grand. So this 10 grand, I, I'm, you know, I want to quote unquote play with. So a lot of institutions offer now, because as you mentioned, the, the rising interest rate environment, you can find what are called money market mutual funds, meaning they're, they're fairly liquid, meaning you can get to your money that are paying around, you know, four almost four and a half percent right now. So that's a nice avenue, and most institutions are offering that now you know we 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 have that of course, that will set aside a lot of client cash, excuse me into you know again, so that that pays out annually um that interest it pays monthly, but it's on an annual basis, so it's four and a half percent you take your dollar amount, you know it's four and a half percent and then you know divided by twelve, and that would be the monthly interest payment so that's a nice tool just to get, you know, as opposed to leaving that just stash in a bank earning. They probably raised it now, but it used to be, you know, for the longest time before these rates started going up, it was just, you know, a savings account at that, you know, Citizens bank or whatever was paying 0.01%. So you were making pennies. You're doing nothing. It was yeah. just sitting there. You might as well have it under your mattress. It's the same thing. Yeah. So that's a nice avenue now. And then, you know, there there's... So again, that's fully liquid. So if, you know, God forbid the engine blows on your car, it's like, well, you know, this wasn't exactly part of the, you know, six month savings that I have. So I don't want to touch that. You can get to five grand of the 10 that you put away if you really had to, you know, you can get it next day. So that's a nice avenue that I would say. And then ultimately from there, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a rocky, um, stock market right now. So to put that 10 grand into there, I, I wouldn't say it's a bad idea. What I mean by that is there are, um, funds that mimic the, we we call it the benchmark, which is the S&P 500 that we use, which is the 500 largest companies in the United States, that the average price is what drives this number. So if you hear people say, oh, the market's down, um, you know, 100 points today, that's what they're referring to. So with that in mind, you know, there are funds that mimic the movement of that. So if the S&P 500 goes down 100 points today, that fund that you're invested in goes down 100 points today, roughly, you know, for the, for, for the most part, you can invest into that. And, and overall, what we've seen over the years, and again, the last two years have been an ex- exception, just because we're in, you know, kind of extraordinary times right now. But overall, that, that gains around 11% annually, that's the average return. So putting your ten grand into there, again, you'd want to leave it ideally for the long term, but you can expect about 11% back every year. So that's, you know, that that's another option as well. So there, there's a lot to consider. There's all different types of investment vehicles.
0: I've just done searches where I'm kind of just searching like, hey, best savings interest rates, you know, how, how do I look out for, hey, like this website is just obviously favoring this this place because you know, maybe they have some kind of ad or partnership rather than trying to find more of like the hidden fees and kind of fine print.
1: That's what, what it comes down it's... to. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm following you. So, I mean, yeah, it's ultimately hard part is when you're doing it by yourself, you have to just read the fine print. If, if you're, if that's a legitimate concern of yours now, usually if they post an interest rate it's, you're, pretty certain that they're going to follow it. So a lot of people do that rate rate hopping where, you know, they might put into uh, what's called a CD that's paying, you know, five, 5% for a year. And then once that matures, now you got to look, you can either roll it into another CD with an institution, but a lot of institutions give you a rate bump for bringing in new money. Nice. So clients will go from a credit union to Bank of America back to a credit union, you know, as the years progress, because they're getting, you know, if it was, if the CD is, for, you know, existing clients. If you bring in new money, they might give you 5%. So a lot of you you see that a lot. So that's a very common theme is rate, rate searching and hopping around.
0: That makes sense. And I know, um, CDs are pretty common, but for, for listeners, certificate of deposit is Correct. what that is, right? So Correct. I know for the last few years, those rates have been super low. People kind of like, oh, CDs. or And then some of those along the way, I've seen like, I think maybe six months was the minimum. I think 11, 12 months is pretty average. And then that can go anywhere from three to five years. That's what you're talking about for the liquidity, right? Of just being able to access your money. Because if I do a five-year one, obviously once that's in i have going to have to pay some kind of withdrawal fee if exactly. the emergency comes up so exactly that goes into the planning with that part not all companies are doing level interest rates rising right so it's like certain ones will the, i found this four percent one but there's still ones that are promoting 0.5 0.6 so yeah it
1: depends on the type of account too you know that the 0.5 0.6 might be a, a a checking account, okay. which they know, you know, the money isn't sitting there. It's your, it's linked to your debit card. It's constantly fluctuating. You know, it comes in maybe when you get your work direct deposit, but then, you know, you're paying all your bills out of it. So it's constantly fluctuating. So those tend to be a little lower. Um, some of those are paying over 1% now, which is great. Cause again, that's just money that would be sitting there anyways. And now, you know, you're getting something on it. Sure. Um,
0: yeah, that's great.
1: But so what, what kind of the interest rate increase is attributed to is the federal reserve um they ultimately set the base interest rate of, of the country the the lending rate um which right now we're uh, i think about four we're about 4.5 percent so a lot of these so you're seeing the 4.5 percent now for these money market funds and that's directly associated with that um and the Fed meets every every few months. Uh, their next meeting is uh, March 22nd, and they will, they'll make an announcement as to if they're gonna raise rates again, which that's looking like a yes. The main question is, by how much? So they go, it's called basis points. Um, so they'll call it 25 basis points, right? And what that is, is that's 0.25 of a percent. So it's all based on a scale of out of one, so and then it's in terms of so 0.25 rate increase is 25 basis points or bips bps basis points so the question is is it going to go up 0.25 or 0.5 at this next meeting and there are different uh, views based on the state so the it's a funny dynamic because the stock market it's like it's like an organism and it reacts to this type of news so obviously you know at this point if they raise interest rates higher that's and this kind of feeds into the state of current state of things I'm, might be jumping ahead on year but no oh,
0: that's this part it's a good segue for that that's exactly what we're looking for yeah
1: so the increase of interest rates is spooking people because what that's saying the reason why we're increasing interest rates is because inflation is high so the price of goods year over year is increasing and it's come down it was its peak was about 9.1% meaning that today gallon of milk is going to be 9.1 percent more in a year that's that's what they that's what they look at it's down to about 6.4 percent now so it, it's coming down at
0: that point when you said it was at its highest when was that like last year or was that yeah that the- was
1: 2022 yeah summer September October range um, things were super super expensive and then we kind sort of saw a little bit of a, of a we've seen a drop then but the the Federal Reserve wants to see wants to get to a level of two percent inflation that's their that's their base that they want to get to so we're at 6.4 percent now so we still have a ways to go is, is
0: that like a reasonable expectation like to get to two percent because that if someone like me not knowing anything about that like four percent sounds massive
1: so to get there it,
0: like i mean a four percent decrease right
1: to get there is going to take a lot of um some rocky roads so in terms of the current state of things it's it kind of it's fairly bleak to be honest because you know the i'm sure you know you've heard i've heard i'm sure the listeners have heard you know all the talks of recession and is it going to happen that's been talked probably around a year now people have been talking about it and it's like when is it going to happen is it going to happen I kind of think that it's already here. That's what, what, I, that's what I would have in.
0: said. Aren't we here now? Because yeah. at the end of last year, if things are up eight, nine percent, that's the effects of a recession. What would? Well, let's take a step back. What would be like more general actual definition of recession? Because I have my idea of what that is, but I don't get to decide that. Oh, I'm in a recession. I need I need more money, boss.
1: Yeah. So the actual term, the definition of a recession, is two consecutive quarters. Of a decrease in GDP, which is gross domestic product, so that's kind of the overall productivity of the country, which technically we've seen. So, but no one will just come out and say that you know we're we're in a recession, because that that's when things start spiraling down. So we're kind of walking on eggshells, if you will, about this whole thing, and it's just funny. And that's kind of just the this game in general is you know you tiptoe around and avoid maybe some certain terms and people just keep keep chugging along so it's it's
0: that's a big part of it is just even the the vocabulary and the the words that we use to define some of this stuff because just like any other profession business things can get super technical so it's almost like the average person might not even be able to participate in these conversations because i don't know the terms and what they're using financial lingo and, and and i mean we see that in the scientific community like there there's a way to kind of establish your credibility and and keep outsiders out by using certain terms and part of that is is needed you know there's a barrier of entry for many of these things but is there like a general search or website that people might be able to do for just general education for getting more familiar with some of these terms like for us to start making steps better for our own individual finances there's got to be like basic understanding
1: yeah to be to be honest with you you know it's, it's a it's almost like similar to like a Wikipedia, but it's a pretty good website that a simple Google search, it's usually towards the top, but it's called Investopedia. And and that's good just for a lot of the definitions of some of these terms and yeah. just getting familiar. You know, other than that, I mean, you know, it, it's like any any field. You in, you type in a Google search and you're going to get the answers that you want. And you're going to get, you know, you're going to get every answer under the sun. So it, it really is sifting through all of that. Now it's tough because it almost becomes you know handling your financial matters almost becomes a second job which is why you know my profession exists because sure you you end up you know you, you pay a fee for the services but it's 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 out of your hands now you can focus on your own career you know side aspirations you know as opposed to you know take take you for example if you doing this podcast if you we're fully invested in focusing on your finances and and you know following the stock market every single day you wouldn't be able to do this there's just there's not enough hours in the day it's impossible it's impossible
0: super stressful thinking about that like i'm going to you know manage stocks hour to hour and and, and that's how quick some of the stuff changes right
1: minute by minute
0: yeah even even more especially like you mentioned we're we're putting time into editing this stuff and trying to just create content that's not only interesting to us but that's going to help other people dude so that investopedia sounds like a good place. Yeah, it's a good,
1: good, sp- just for a lot of definitions, you know, you can, but you have to, so that, that's the tricky part is you have to be conscious of the terms that you're hearing. And when you go, I have no idea what that means. We'll stop and either write the word down or immediately pull out your phone and just look it up. If, if you have the interest, some people are like, I, I couldn't care less.
0: Right. Yeah. And no, that's it, fine. Yeah. If you but, don't have a ton of assets involved in a certain thing like that, but yeah, complicated legal document, right. Well, the average person, I know I'm not, qualified to read some of this stuff mm-hmm. and, and be able to interpret it the right way so it's the same stuff with financial institutions where you have to be familiar with the terms that we're agreeing to mm-hmm. every single program or anything we interact with we have to accept this user agreement and who's you know who's reading that stuff well yeah it's
1: funny you say that because yeah we're open up an account for a client or something and yeah you know you have the the bulk of disclosures luckily it's all on not online now but yeah i mean back when you were in the in the mailroom you were sending out disclosures that you killed an entire tree to send this thing out and people are like, well, what am I signing off on? I'm like, Hey man, I'll give them like a brief overview. But then I say, I, I sign the same thing when I open my account. So we're all in this together and they usually laugh at that. And you know, there's nothing deceitful in these things, but it, it's, yeah. I mean, they put all these words and you know, I've never, I have sat down and read those. It's just, I'm like, yeah. so I'm not some gonna of do that. Yeah.
0: A little bit outside of the scope and then it, w- it wouldn't even really change what the overall goal is, right? So then, yeah, we kind of switched over to the state of economy and kind of where we're at now. So I know I get super anxious thinking about the stock market. I look at it, this untamable beast that I have no idea how to mm. even look at. So for some of us that maybe have a 401k, which we know is involved and in, connected with the stock market. But, um, if we don't have individual stocks, is that something that I should necessarily worry about? Because you know, whatever the stock market's doing, I don't, we, we all have enough stuff wor- going on, worrying about where I'm not going to wake up and like, okay, stock market's down today. I'm, now I'm going to bring that with me to work, you know?
1: There's no, yeah, there's no point at your age because you have 30, you know, roughly 30 years until you might even consider retiring. So who knows what just the world's going to be like in 30 years. Yes. So to wake up and put that stress on your shoulders, there's just absolutely no need. Now, if you're 70 years old and 70 seventy, seventy-five, and you're drawing on this money that's in the stock market and you need it because that was part of the plan that we put together all right well now you might have a cause for concern
0: sure
1: or just more worry um so no anybody anybody in their 30s even 40s i would even venture to say 50s but just not not stressing it you know at, at our age
0: month to month and year to year it's still important for us to kind of try to stay on top of some of this stuff to not fall behind in trends or kind of projections. And that's where the professionals like yourself come in. is like know when I need to outsource it. So I'm not gonna take all of this new education on myself because like you said, now it's a new part-time job. And what's the trade-off between, you know, for most of us that am I gonna sacrifice time with with my family or the kids or whatever to start, you know, digging into the stock market and, and start making trades when if, if I can kind of, you know, whatever the monthly service fee is or, you know, I know some of them vary about how involved you are, but I'd rather just kind of outsource that, let these guys take care of it, and I'm going to pay this monthly fee knowing that it's in a safe place rather than, oh, I'm just going to kind of go off of this first Google search, throw some funds in this projected stock market, and then now I'm stressed for like the next couple months. Like, what is going to happen with this?
1: Yeah, and you might get lucky trying to do it yourself, but overall it's 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 funny because it's similar to big prominent thing nowadays is you know people are wicked into gambling and sports gambling in the long run that's not a it's not a sustainable environment where you're gonna lose more than you make and that's what ends up happening when you try investing on your own to be completely honest is you might have a little bit of a good run you get a little overconfident and and then you start losing money and it's it happens fast so it's it's yeah it's a fine line with with this and that's why sometimes it is you know you you it's a lot to consider, you know, because there's many, many. Even within Merrill, there's many, many different advisors that you could go with. So doing your own due diligence. That's that's the part that you really want to focus on. It's okay. Like who am I going to trust with my money? That's what it ultimately comes down to when you're in that spot. And again, to circle back, you know, the it's it's saving in your younger years and and being conscious of that. So and it it helps when you know you might have a family or family members that are currently with an advisor. Obviously, if they're in the field, that's one thing, but are with, you know, a financial advisor and you hear about maybe they're not, you know, gloating about their money, but just that, you know, they're they're thinking about that and it makes you more conscious of it and like, oh, you know, I, I need to start putting aside a little more each month and, and stuff like that. So
0: sure, that makes sense. And it's probably safe to say like anything's better than nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Because it it's just starts with whatever you can, you know, so basic steps and maybe we can kind of just summarize at the end just for a general out overlook for an individual who has no idea about this because we all have different backgrounds and experiences mm. where okay i have an idea on budgeting sure but where do i put my um expendable income or you know so we get a little nuanced with that but i want to try to keep it general enough because you know the listeners we are going to have so many different individual factors it's hard to name one overview but that's where you know, recognizing my limitations and knowing, Hey, I'm going to go to the professionals for this and a trustworthy source rather than, I, I don't know, any, any kind of Google search and say like, um, this company is going to help you manage this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was what I was referring to with like the Merrill edge stuff. So again, that's called self-directed, all right. like a self-directed platform. So you, you make all the, all the decisions. Now the key with that is, you know, there's, there's what call the people are, some people are called day traders where they that that's what they do they sit down and they look at it minute by minute and they try to time when to buy when to sell and that's usually that's that's their job yeah. that's that's what they do um that's very that's high stress as well so this just in general you know the self-directed platform yeah you put in your 1000 bucks you want to pick stocks that so your idea with that thousand is okay. I'm I do not need this thousand dollars for anything. I'm good with whatever happens. I'm gonna leave this here for well over a year, five years, ten years, and just you know maybe add to it. Uh, hopefully, add to it as you go on. But you want to pick stocks that are gonna appreciate growth growth potential. So you look at like your you know your Apple, your Amazon, your your Tesla that over time you know have been reliable. Right? Yeah, reliable. They've been just bulls. You know, going up. Um, but, again, sometimes you just put that 1000 remember I said, into that market linked. Um, it's called an ETF exchange traded fund. And, again, so that's that's linked to a group of, you know, stocks. Um, you put it into that, and that's more a set it and forget it thing.
0: Right, yeah, that makes sense. That's perfect because th- that's where, you know, my anxiety with looking at this stuff comes from is like, all right, how much should I put into st- Tesla? Mm. Amazon individually, rather than you know a group of of companies or a corporation like Yeah, that. and what's
1: nice about the group thing is that yeah, if if a couple of them have a bad day, but you know you just look at like a broad number. If if you have ten in a certain you know ETF, you know ten ten different stocks that compose that comprise it, and three have a bad day, but seven have a good day. All right, well you're probably going to make money on that day, and as opposed to you know you look at Tesla on a Tuesday, and it's down five five percent, and you're like oh man. But then you look at it the next Tuesday and it's up 10. So it's like, you know, it's fine. But what you want to do is, yeah, when you look at it at an individual basis like that, that's where you really start stressing yourself out.
0: Yeah. And and I could see that turning into a, a hobby for some of us. You know, like some of us are really interested in following that stuff and that might work. But then, yeah, which was trying to figure out a, a general kind of like guidelines for. The average person that doesn't have that particular interest where hey, I want to be tied to my phone all day looking at the stocks. Yeah And
1: what I'll say to that is though is the key like before you want to go and invest into a company You want to do your research on the company you really want to understand what they do what their maybe future You know prospects are um, what they think about um, You know potential growth for the company and what they say you really want to do that research on the company you want to know what you're invested in
0: is that some stuff that I could find through like investopedia or like mm. just go to this company's website directly
1: yeah so it's more what I'm referring to is more yeah I mean you definitely would go to you know the company's page you'll be able to see you know future um, you know just they, they tend to list you know what their what their plans are because a stock price goes up based on future expectations that's what drives a stock price so if expectations are high the stocks going to go up so you know when Amazon was just you know running the world Stock's been going up, 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 up. Um, that's because future growth, it's like, hey, they're taking over everything. This right. this is it. It's so,
0: And with that growth, like for, for an individual, it might be more difficult to now start investing in Amazon when we could have, you know, maybe put stuff in two years ago, right? So sometimes I know I get overwhelmed thinking about like, yeah, we saw like the, the crazy growth of Amazon. Is it too late now for me to put money into it? Would it be worth it or is it too expensive?
1: Yeah, so that's when, you know, it, it just depends on... <sighs> Yeah, it's definitely still very expensive and that that's why, you know, I think there's some sell off to still happen with these stocks so they're going to go down more before they come back up. So trying to find that right timing. Um
0: But overall, like th- those large ones, your your Teslas, your Apples, like it's still probably generally safe to maybe start investing in those. Sure. I know that depends on the situation, but generally Yeah, yeah. Cuz we know they're not going anywhere. But I-
1: again, there's there is the fund, you know, it's called um SPY that's the, the little ticker symbol, which, you know, you see you, you, know, if you turn on the news, you see the ticker symbols at the bottom of the you know, screen as they you know pass by. They're
0: usually three, three
1: letters, right? Yeah. For stocks, they're three mutual funds are four and mutual funds again are similar in the sense where, yeah, there's a, you know, a shell in within that there is multiple different stocks and, and maybe even exchange traded funds in there. So those, again, those are the more broad investments, which is sometimes good because then, you know, you, it, you're not just focused on, you know, a single like a singular company what their growth prospects are and stuff like that so
0: we seeing how these companies can blow up and stocks can increase so, so much in a year or two it's almost just like oh well should i just hold off on putting investing in these and try to find a company that has this growth potential so ah. i can kind of hop in there rather than amazon seems safe but like
1: yeah everybody wants like the you know the the, the next step company well who's going to be the next amazon you know so a lot of people are looking into like the electric vehicles um you know the self-automated um now it's you know obviously you know been heavy on the ai um with this chat gpt that's come out now everybody's looking into AI, different ai companies and who's yeah. going to take advantage of that so but again that that's all research now if you're paying somebody to do that okay well that's that's different and that's part of it. And and there's just a lot of different, you know, we'll have to do a whole nother episode on this because there's a lot of, you know, fundamentals, um, to look at. And that's, so the, the SEMA certification that I'm studying for now that looks into the, the analyticals and there's different, um, ratios and CIMA. Yeah. Certified investment management analyst. Got it. All right. Right. And that looks at the analyticals of stocks and trends and ratios because it's it's fairly predictable the stock market, but understanding that, no, that 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 alone is that's its own job. Yeah, you know, that, you can't that's... you can't expect to do that. You're not finding that on Investopedia. You...
0: Yeah, I'm going to the yeah. pros for that. I'm going to outsource that. Yeah, and, and for the listeners too, we're definitely going to have Eric back a few times. So, you know, we're, we're trying to kind of collect your basic, maybe just financial planning questions, and and we can get a little bit more specific with some of this stuff. But today's point was just to kind of give an overview. I know um, it's super interesting to me overall just learning about this stuff, but also realizing like, yo, this is a whole other world that I do not have experience in. So like you said, like how much time am I willing to exchange now to learn about this to really get um, legitimate and feel comfortable? Or can I just outsource this to a responsible place? So that's why we wanted to have someone like you in today to kind of help us at least like sketch out an idea of what this landscape looks like, because we can't do this on our own. We're talking about like interest rates and stuff like that rising, and how quick those can change sometimes. How how related to that is is the the housing market? So I know that's kind of maybe outside of your expertise, but is that kind of connected to stock markets and inflation rates, or is that its own beast?
1: Um, definitely, its own beast. So the inflation rate definitely drives home prices up um, for sure. It's definitely, it's it's a whole other beast. Um, now the interest rate, you know, the Federal Reserve sets. That will set, you know, minimum standards for mortgage rates and stuff like that, um, home equity line of credit rates, everything like that. So those are definitely high right now. You know, we were seeing those at people are locked in now. If you locked in right before these started raising, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, you're you're in you're at the you're in twos. If you have a, a mortgage at two percent right now, you are living life because yes. you're not finding anything below. I mean, at this point, we we're probably around four. So it's it's you know you're a tough time um to lock in so a lot of people are are holding off on home purchases which um is definitely a big big part of the economy um so seeing those home sales go down it's that that's hurting the economy as well um
0: i know that's super variable and dependent on you know regions of the country and different states too the boston metropolitan area super high i know Same thing with uh, you know, Southern California area. Mm -hmm. Lots of places like that are are well known for higher cost of living. So it's tough to talk about some of this stuff when, you know, it changes state to state. So without getting too much into that. I wanted to pretty much wrap up this one to see if like, you know, if we could have maybe just a couple little bullet points. So summarize what we went through. So it sounds like starting with an Investopedia, something like that, just to get your general you know, lingo and knowledge up about what these terms are. That seems like a safe place to start with that one.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a safe place to start. Absolutely.
0: And then depending on how much money we have or like the next step would be
1: Save, save, save. Save. That's that's if I were to summarize this whole whole thing. You know, and, and, and again it depends depends on your age. If you're listening to this and you're in your twenties, save, save, save. If you're maybe in your mid thirties and you have some you know savings set aside, then it's taking the next step in looking at you know the responsible thing to do with that. You want to earn as much money as you can, um, but you need to you need to sit down and yeah. make sure. I'd probably say yearly, just rerun a budget, go, make sure you're staying yeah, on course. And making some investments also includes yeah. like like we said, not not going out. You know, on a Saturday night, sacrifice. Yeah, that sacrifice is the investment. So that's that's a big piece. That's, that's the, a great
0: way to look at it, man. Because I talk about this in the, the sports medicine setting pretty commonly with a lot of the people I work with. Uh, I work at the the naval station here in Newport so we work in a sports medicine clinic and deal with musculoskeletal injuries and I have to say this pretty regularly that these therapeutic exercises that I'm going to recommend and, and suggest should be an investment. This isn't something where, you know, you're just going to kind of waste your time on this. This is for not only like fitness and completing their their boot camp that they're going through now, but when you get when you get out of here, this is just life function stuff. So I, I like that connection with this is an investment. This isn't just something we're doing now. This is with the goal that this is gonna pay off later and, you know, hopefully improve quality of life.
1: Yeah. And if you and if you so then, you know, that's so that's people in their mid thirties. Now if you're in your mid thirties, early forties and you have, you know, some decent capital, some stuff saved, now now you're looking at you wanna look into the actual you know, running a, a full on financial plan and, and seeing, an, all right, like you know, what's my lifestyle? What's it going to look like when I'm retired? Am I sending my kids all through college? That's when you want to take the next step. So you think you have a decent chunk of money saved. Getting ahead of this early is definitely the theme here, starting young.
0: That makes sense, man. That definitely like helps take some of the the stress from from my point of view off of like, oh, like there's ways to navigate this landscape. Just like anything else, it takes patience, try not to get overwhelmed. And then when the time comes, hey, I've got to outsource this to to these guys that know what they are talking about. So that's That's where, um, someone like you comes in. So we're, we're going to end it here, man. Um, I, I want to kind of, we're going to do another episode just talking about like more personal stuff here, but I wanted to kind of keep the financial planning kind of, um, in its own little, its own little corner here. So that was super helpful for me, man. And, um, again, for the listeners, we're going to have maybe a little interaction. We're going to have a, a spot where you can kind of put questions or, you know, we, we're going to come up with topics to talk about next time because. I know for for myself it's I don't necessarily have access to some of the professionals as far as economic and kind of financial planning here so I want to take advantage of of Eric's time while he's generous enough to, to share it with us and for for those people that have particular questions I know you're definitely not the only one this is going to be something that is going to reach a lot of people eventually so
1: Yeah like I said you know I I've, I've seen I've seen some lows in people, and I've seen very highs. So, I mean, yeah, any, any questions, concerns, definitely please ask. And, you know, happy to be back again. This was this was great. And, you know, definitely we can deep dive into any of, any and all of those questions. Happy to do it.
0: Sounds good, man. I'm excited. And um, thanks again for your time, dude.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Love you, man. Talk soon. Love you. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Dan's Den Podcast. I learned a bunch from Eric in this conversation and I really enjoyed listening to him speak about his professional experiences. Eric expressed interest in returning for subsequent episodes with us in which we'll dig a bit further into some of the themes we discussed today. Check out the poll included with this episode and we will address the most popular selections in our next session with Eric. Please share this episode and rate and follow Dan's Den Podcast as we have much more content to share with you coming up.